0: Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Well, there you go. You've heard it. It's a fresh look at how we look at spirituality, how we look at life, how we look at what it is that we're going through on a day-to-day basis. Welcome to the show. It's wonderful to have you as every week. I think today we'll talk about humility, maybe an underrated Part of the human experience, so let 's talk about humility, what constitutes humility, and I suppose do you know humble people? <laughs> Can you list them? Can you name them, or is it inappropriate to do so specifically i 'd like to talk today about whether it is ever possible for being humble to be a bad thing, so that 's going to be the specific direction that we take today, as always. you are the drivers of this conversation i'd love to have your comments on Twitter. At Chai FM and at Rabbi Shish via SMS on 34519 Through the Telegram app on 0618951019 And you can always call the studio on 0101403020 What do you think about humility? And can humility ever be a bad thing? This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla So humility, so it's the topic that we talk about a lot and it's something we would like to see in people. Often we look around and we say, if only, if only this person was a little bit more humble, if only they were not so self, well self-assured is not necessarily always a bad thing. But if they weren't so arrogant, we, we wish we ourselves could be more humble, I think. I think people wish that for themselves. Maybe sometimes people believe, listen, I am humble, what more would you like from me? So, humility is definitely a trait that Judaism celebrates, and that's why I'm asking the question, can humility ever be a bad thing? Suppose in order to have that conversation, you have to have a working definition for what is humility that might be a part of what it is that we have to talk about today, but... I think it's relevant. I think it's relevant because so often in our society, we look towards people and we say, wow, look at that person. So amazing. That person is just so humble. They're in such, you speak to a person who's very successful business person and they're just so down to earth and they can talk to you and they don't have airs and you say, that's amazing. Look at that humility. Or you meet somebody who's a professional, incredibly, incredibly knowledgeable in their particular sphere, but they're able to relate to the average person And bring things down to a level that they can understand And you think, wow, that's amazing, that humility And then on the other hand You have somebody who really has absolutely nothing going for them And they swagger into the room And think that they're a big deal And start throwing their weight around And telling everybody that, you know And you think, oh, if there's one thing That this person does not have It is humility So it's certainly an aspiration for many people Humility So the question is, what is humility? Humility Let's start with that. What is humility? And then we'll get to the question of, is it ever appropriate? Somebody's already responded. Is it ever, is there ever such a thing as inappropriate or, or bad humility? Here's Christian on, on Twitter who says, when you become a doormat in the process, then humility is bad. Humility should be a healthy state, not a sentence. So that's why I think it's valuable for us to have a working definition for what humility is. That word, doormat, is often what people associate with humility, but let's be frank, that is not humility. The fact that a person allows themselves to be taken advantage of, that is not humility. That might be personal weakness, that might be the urge to want to please other people, that might be a lack of self-esteem. That's not humility. Let's be clear about that, and I'm sure that there are people who will agree quite strongly with that, that humility is not about becoming a doormat. On the contrary, in fact, if you think about it, throughout the course of Jewish history, there were people who were the outstanding paragons of humility, and they were certainly not doormats. Here's Martin. Martin says, the definition of real humility is to negate the self... By knowing that one, oh, this is this is hectic," <laughs> it says to negate the self by knowing that one day you will make great dinner for a load of worms. <laughs> I mean, there is a quotation like that in the, the Talmud in Pirkei Avos, the Ethics of the Fathers, it says, marbe rima." That if a person focuses on just developing the flesh, well, the more flesh, the more there is for the worms after 120 years. And I suppose that you could say that is something that. Generates a sense of humility. I don't know if that's called humility. If a person has a consciousness of the fact that they will one day no longer be around and that they will one day decompose, I don't think that that's called humility. That is something that allows a person to feel humble. There's another Mishnah in Pirkei Avois, but it doesn't talk about it in the context of humility, actually, the ethics of the fathers. It talks about it in the context of fear of sin. How do you keep yourself away from bad behavior? And there, the Mishnah recommends that if a person meditates on the fact that at the end of it all, after all the achievements that a person makes in this world, ultimately they get put into the same box and put into the ground and the body decomposes, that would keep a person away from toxic behavior. But it doesn't say it as a form of humility. So yes, I think it is. I think Martin's right that that kind of reflection can assist a person to remain humble. But I don't think that's what humility means. Living with a consciousness of the fact that one day I will be worthless. And it certainly, humility certainly does not mean to live in a context where I think right now I'm worthless. And I'd like to come back to that actually a little bit later. Just to talk about exactly that, that feeling of worthlessness. Somebody uh, who was a Christian said before about feeling a doormat. I think we need to explore that because that's actually dangerous. Not only for the reasons that you think, not only for the reason that people might take advantage of you or you might land up in a depression because you feel that you are worthless, not only for those reasons, there are other reasons as well, and that 's really really important to know here 's somebody, Samantha, who says that the definition of real humility is to have the quality of having a modest or low view of one 's importance i 'm not sure if that really, really defines and clarifies for us, does it? You tell me. You tell me, is that something that uh, is a good definition for humility? It sounds almost like a synonym rather than a definition. I think we do that a lot when we try and define things. We just find other ways of saying the same thing, but it's not necessarily a definition. So, again, what would you say is the definition of humility? Because it's relevant to our particular conversation, which is, can a person ever Lose out. Can it ever be a bad thing to be humble? Um, Funny. Some people are funny. So this is uh, at Dude on Twitter who says, Humility is never bad as long as you don't brag about it. Reminds me a little bit of a story the a story that Hasidim always joke about About there was a particular shul And that shul every year on Simcha's Torah, You know you dance around the Torah seven, uh, Dance around the shul seven times Holding the Torahs and reciting certain prayers And so what happened was This particular, as many shuls do They allocated this particular circuit around the Torah Will be led by these people This will be for the rabbi That will be for the big benefactors of the community So in this particular shul, they had one hakafa, one circuit of the shul that was specifically for the humble people. So all the humble individuals in the shul, would be called up for this great public honor to dance around the Torah at that particular point in time. And obviously that's always told very much tongue-in-cheek because you can immediately appreciate that if you're the humble person who goes up with your, you know, happily displaying your humility, maybe you're not so humble. So I guess that that's what he was saying, a sticky dude on Twitter, that humility is never bad as long as you don't brag about it. It's quite cute. It is cute. So what would you say? Can humility ever be bad? And as part of that conversation, what is a good definition? What is the best definition that you could come up with for humility? And it's not just about letting go and just about doing for others. And it's certainly not about becoming a doormat. So what is it? I'd wager that humility is one of the most tricky traits for a person to really have. Because a lot of what people believe to be humility is not And I suppose the corollary is true A lot of what people perceive to be arrogance is not Confidence is not a conflict with humility So let's put that as an example So what would you say? Would you say um, that humility could be a bad thing? And what would you say? Your one-liner. Give us a one-liner. Come on, you can do this. A one-liner definition of what true humility is. You can SMS it in three four three four five one nine. You can send it on Telegram on 0618951019. You could tweet at FM or tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Well, there's a moment, I suppose, where you have to show some humility. Somebody walks into studio and starts asking questions that you don't know the answers to. <laughs> so you've got to, be hung, you've got to be a little bit humble. Craig and I just had a good chuckle. Um, anyway, so we're talking about humility. My question is, can it ever be a bad thing? And I suppose the correct answer would be, well, humility can only be a bad thing if it's mis- understood if a person thinks that being a doormat equals humility that's about it's not that humility is a bad thing but the person's perception is what's bad so that would be fair to say that's why i think we do need to have some kind of a working definition before we can really have this conversation some interesting ones coming through Uh, here's somebody who says real humility is to be open to allow others to offer you genuine criticism. Not so easy, right? Not so easy. Um, Oh, hmm. Okay, somebody... It looks like this SMS is only half an SMS. (laughs) We'll wait. We'll wait and see if the rest of the SMS comes through because uh, it, it looks like a good one, but it looks like it's missing something. So we'll wait. We'll wait for that. But how's that for an interesting comment that... Real humility is that you're open to hear genuine criticism <coughs> from, I suppose, somebody who gives it. Now, there's no question about it that a person who is humble will be able to handle genuine criticism, absolutely. And I think the flip side of that is that a person who's truly humble will also have no issue standing up against criticism that is unfounded. You know, they'll have the self-confidence to say, look, I think you've got a point, but it's it's not it's not relevant in my case. And the reason that this is so interesting is because humility in Torah language is considered something that a person is supposed to do to the extreme. There's the expression of our sages that says, ma'od, ma'od, ha-vei ruach, A person should be exceedingly lowly in their own self-estimation. That means humility to the extreme. You find that Maimonides, the Rambam, writes about this where he says, Generally speaking, when it comes to personal development, a person should always look for the middle path. But there are times where a person should be an extremist, and this is one of them. When it comes to humility, you should be an extremist. There's another statement in the Talmud that says that a person should ensure that they have no more than one sixty-fourth of arrogance. And then one of the sages says, no, 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 even that is too much. You shouldn't even have the tiniest drop of arrogance. So it's a big subject in Judaism. We look at Moise, the first Jewish leader, and the specific trait that is associated with him, which the Torah reports towards the end of his life, is that no other person on the face of the earth was ever as humble as Moise. So there, and you can find Who knows how many examples. The the, the Torah is full of examples of the virtue of humility. So when you read that, you think, well, can it ever be a negative thing? Can you think, here's a real challenge. I'd be highly impressed if somebody could come back with this. But can you think of any reference in Torah literature, Talmudic literature, where humility, and specifically the term is humility, was seen as the wrong Response was seen as a bad thing. Actually, maybe even with negative consequences. So, if you if you know that, if you know such a reference, be very, very interesting to hear it. I'd, I'd love to hear it. Uh, somebody says, "Good question." Okay, thank you. <laughs> That's a good, good question. Uh, I, I was hoping that it was considered a good question. So, what is your opinion? What constitutes humility, or when? At if at all, can humility be a bad thing? So a couple of people oh, somebody says, No, it can never be a bad thing. It can never be a bad thing. Humility can never be a bad thing. Okay, very nice. Very nice. Mervyn sends an SMS quoting Mishlay, the wisdom of King Solomon in Proverbs 9 8, who says, Do not reprove a scoffer, because he will come to hate you. That's absolutely true. But Scoffer, Is that necessarily the same thing as an arrogant person? Or is the opposite of somebody who's humble necessarily arrogant? There's another question. Is it black and white? So either you're a humble or you're arrogant. Is that true? I think Mervyn's point is a very good point. If you try and criticize somebody who themselves is a scoffer, in other words, somebody who, I suppose, doesn't really take things that seriously and has an opinion and is going to be sarcastic, you know what's going to happen. He's not going to appreciate you, and that, of course, relates to the message we got a little earlier about a humble person is open to hear criticism. Uh, Okay, a lot of very interesting I don't think we're going to necessarily read every single one of these comments Because some of them are quite similar to each other But it's great, so keep them coming Your views on, let's talk specifically Is it ever a bad thing to be humble? Richard says, you should always be humble If you're good at something, you don't need to tell anyone I agree with that You don't need to boast about your talents, about your achievements That's right, is that the only definition of humble? In other words, is humility just merely about achievements? Let's think about this. From the Torah's point of view, when it says that Moshe was the most humble person who ever walked on the face of the earth, that's not just that he was going to boast about his achievements, although he had amazing achievements. And we're talking, of course, about the man who took the Israelites out of Egypt, turned them into a nation, the Jewish people, and presented the Torah on God's behalf, and then taught and led them for 40 years in the most miraculous fashion, dealt with who knows how many different issues and skillfully waded through all of that, and nevertheless never bragged, is that what it is? Is it that he didn't brag? Is that the definition of humility? So in other words, if a person does brag, they're not humble, and if a person does not brag, they are humble. Is it not fair to say that occasionally we find people who, although they don't say anything, they don't actually brag per se, but you can actually tell just how smug they are? You can feel the arrogance oozing from their pores, even though they're not bragging vocally. So I don't know. Not sure. Not sure that I agree that it's just simply about a person not sharing, celebrating, announcing the things that they have Done. I don't think so. I don't think that that's the only definition. I say just say that the greatness of Moshe and the reason that Moshe was considered the most humble, Moses was considered the most humble person who ever walked on the face of the earth it was quite simple because he looked at himself like this. He looked at himself and said, I am an absolute genius. And he was one of the greatest minds ever to have lived, maybe only paralleled by King Solomon. Incredible prophet. Never paralleled. Nobody would ever B, a prophet of the caliber of Moshe, rescuer of the Jewish people, leader par excellence, teacher of Torah. I mean, he had all these things. He looked at himself, I have all these things. That's the truth. I'm the only person ever in history to talk to God face to face and be able to survive. So, where's the humility? The humility wasn't that he downplayed any of those things. His humility was quite simple. He said, and all of that is not my achievement. All of that is simply God-given. So God did me a tremendous favor, and he endowed me with this incredible brain, and he endowed me with prophecy, and he endowed me with leadership skills, and he gifted me with the opportunity to take the Jewish people out of Egypt, and he gave all of that to me. And how on earth could I possibly be anything but humbled? By the fact that he gave it to me. And who knows? Had he given it to the next guy, maybe the next guy would have done a job that was even better than what I'm doing. I have nothing to be proud and arrogant about. It's quite simple. I have a gift. So, if you take that view of humility, it can never be bad. That can never be bad. That's the humility where a person says, I appreciate what I have in life. That's fantastic. When could humility Ever Be a bad thing That's what we're talking about today If you've just joined us You're welcome to join the conversation That's my question Can humility ever be a bad thing? You can call us on 0101403020 Otherwise you do what everybody else prefers to do Which is to send an SMS on 34519 Or to message via Telegram on 0618951019 Or tweet at FM Or directly to me at Rabbi Shish Through Chai FM, you connect to the world, to Israel, and to the global listening community. But now you can connect to the heart of the station. Download our free app to listen live, contact the studio office or helpline at one touch. You can find it on the Google App Store. C-H-A-I-F-M, Chai FM. Just look for the logo. The Chai FM app is brought to you by Binary Headquarters. If you are just flipping on the radio, getting into your car, starting up the Chai FM app, and you want to know what it is that we're talking about today on Fresh Thinking, you are with Rabbi Shishla all the way till the top of the hour. Today I'd like to know, can being humble ever be a bad thing? Some people seem to think that yes, of course, if you're a doormat, then you're a bad, well that's not humility. Let's think about this. Here's an SMS says, we all have positive, and negative traits, or things that we're good at, and that's fine. Being humble means not overestimating your own importance. Well, that's true. That's definitely a good definition. Don't overestimate your own importance. So can it ever be a bad thing? I don't want to say to overestimate, let's flip it. Can it ever be a bad thing? Would it be a bad thing to underestimate your importance? Is that a bad thing? Hard one to answer because why should that be bad? Okay. So you underestimate your importance. No big deal. So it's okay. Somebody says something to you and it wasn't exactly respectful. Take it in your stride. You're not necessarily put into the, you know, the best table at the wedding. It's okay. So you'll sit a little bit on the side. No worse things could happen. Is it so terrible to underestimate your own importance? I don't know. Something that we could really explore further. Here's an interesting one. If there is a situation, somebody says, if there is a situation where you have to decide whether to be humble or to get onto your feet and stand eye to eye, then... I look into the different portions of the Torah, and if I cannot find the right answer, I ask the rabbi, but by no means do I always act humble from the start as a principle. That's very interesting. In other words, that implies that sometimes to be humble is not necessarily the correct approach, and sometimes actually what you need to do is to be able to say, "Mm, this is a time where I've got to put on my big boy pants and stand up strong and do what i got to do and take it on the nose. Yep. Absolutely. We do know that Moses did that many times along the way. Uh, (laughs) Okay, it's funny how certain people share very similar messages. Um, David says, humility is always good. The problem starts when it is confused with being passive or submissive. So I think that that is something that we have already spoken about. That, of course, it's no good to mistake humility and say, I'm being humble, where actually what you're doing is you're just throwing your hands in the air. So here's an interesting teaching that I came across, and this is actually what motivated this conversation. I came across a teaching recently from the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement. Many of his teachings are collated in a book that is called Keser Shem Tov, the crown of the good name. So this particular teaching is in that book, and it's very, very interesting. And the teaching goes as follows. There is a, I was hoping somebody was going to dig this up. There's a a story in the Talmud. It's quite an elaborate story, so I'm not going to go through the whole story now. But suffice it to say this, it's a story that happened at the time of the destruction of the second temple. There was this very underhanded attempt by an individual to ambush the Jews to get the Romans to Become angry with the Jewish people. And when the rabbis came across this particular story and they realized that this was going to end badly, there was a whole debate as to what to do with the guy. And some people, or what to do with the situation. Some people proposed, listen, just, just get rid of him. Let's make him disappear, float down the river somewhere in, uh, I don't know, <laughs> you know, never to be heard from again. And there was a particular rabbi over there who said, you can't do that. Because if you do that, you're going to start a precedent where people are going to think that if you misbehave in the context of the temple, because that was the particular story, it's a death penalty. And he was he was too concerned that you know maybe we shouldn't stand up and, and take that kind of a stance because it could backfire on us. And the direct result of the fact that they did not take action against this guy meant that he then went back to the Romans and spread a rumor that the Jews were planning a rebellion. And as a direct result of that, Jerusalem was attacked and destroyed. And the Talmud concludes that story, and it's fascinating how it says it. The Talmud concludes the story by saying, because of the humility of this particular rabbi, the temple was destroyed. Isn't that fascinating? It says because of his humility. It doesn't say because of his poor judgment. It doesn't say because he made a misguided decision. It says because of his humility. I think it's fascinating. I think it's absolutely fascinating. So the Baal Shem Tov picks up on that. And the Baal Shem Tov says, well, there you have it. It is possible for humility to go bad, for humility to go sour. When is that? When does humility go sour? When humility becomes a perspective where you think, I can't do more than what I'm doing. I can't prevent the story. It's unfolding in front of my eyes. I can't do more. So the Bal Shemtof translates it in quite a personal way and he says that what that means is any time that a person thinks, Look, so I'll go and I'll do another mitzvah. What impact is my mitzvah actually gonna have on the world? Me, little me in the little corner of the earth where I live. There are much greater people over there who have huge sphere of influence and they can do things and they can touch people and they're great and they're powerful and so me, I'm just me. So he says, you have to understand this. That is misplaced humility. The misplaced humility of the human being who says, I am just a human being. That's not how it works. Hashem created the whole of existence for the sake of human beings. For the sake of us. For the sake of the practice of Torah. For the sake of the Jewish nation. For the sake of being able to do mitzvahs. That's why he created the world. That means that every single time, and this is an incredibly profound teaching that he says in this particular teaching. Every single time that you do something that is aligned with what God wants. So you do a mitzvah, you study Torah, you pray. What happens then is you have a ripple effect on every single layer of creation. So you could take the so-called, quote-unquote, humble route and say, Who, me? What, I'm going to have an effect? I don't know anybody. I'm quiet. I'm an introvert. I'm a the kind of person that tries to avoid situations. I'm going to have an effect on the world? Yet yeah, that's misplaced humility. It's not feeling like a doormat. It's not saying the world can take advantage of me. It's not feeling worthless. I have a value. I have a worth. It's just thinking, I don't have that level of power that I should be able to impact the world. That is antithetical to Judaism. The Jewish view is, you have that power. Your next decision, right now, whatever it is, wherever it is, the person who's sitting next to you, the way that you talk to them, the mitzvah that you're going to do, the Torah that you're going to learn, the prayer that you're going to say, the tehillim that you're going to read, that is going to explode. Meaning, Holiness, spirituality, right through every strata of existence. And you dare not say, who me? Because yes, it is 100% you. That would be dangerous or inappropriate, misplaced humility. Each one of us has to stand up with the confidence to say, if Hashem put me here, that obviously means that He feels I'm worthwhile. That obviously means that He feels that I could make an impact. So, no, not a time to sit on my hands and say, ooh, I don't think I'm up to the task. There's something to think about. I'd love to hear your thoughts and input on that. You can SMS 34519 Messages on Telegram 0618951019. A lot of activity happening on Twitter. You can join it at Chai FM or directly at Rabbi Shish. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So we're talking today about humility. We're talking about the possibility of inappropriate or when humility could be a bad thing. Mervyn sent another SMS to say, Moshe went. Moses went to the arrogant pair, Dasan and Aviram, to try to make peace but they refused. And I think that that's a follow-on from Irvin's earlier message, quoting from Mishle, that says, Do not reprove a scoffer because he will come to hate you. And unfortunately, that is what happened with Dasan and Avira. They were people who um, the first punch-up ever recorded in Jewish history. And Moshe tried to break up the fight, and they turned on him. They reported him to the authorities for an incident that had happened the day before, where he had killed an Egyptian taskmaster. So there you have it. Um, so, w- what does that teach us? I'd love to hear, Mervyn, what you feel that that teaches us about humility. How should uh, how should Moshe have acted differently? What different kind of a response should he have expected, or should we have expected? Following on, I was giving you the Balshemtov's teaching. That humility that is bad is the humility to say, I don't have the power to really make a difference through the spiritual choices that I make. That is not a Jewish view. And he goes on to say this. He goes on to say that there's a certain revelation, there's a certain degree of holiness, there's a certain degree of Godly energy that is accessible in the world at any given time And it's mostly filtered And it's mostly, you know, you've got to really, really look If you want to find the God in this world People, for example, go out into nature And they'll say, wow, how magnificent Look at that waterfall, watch that sunset This beautiful mountain range The magnificent beach But you don't actually look at that and see godliness You see an incredible creation and then you remind yourself that there's a creator who made that creation so the teaching goes that when you do a mitzvah, no matter how small that mitzvah is, in fact not only no matter how small that mitzvah is and this is the real power of this teaching it's even when you practice a little bit of self restraint and don't do something that you feel very impulsive to do so for example, you've got this really juicy story. And this this is a breaking story. Most people in your social circle have not heard the story. You're the guy. You're gonna tell the story about so and so. Did you have, hear what happened with them? With them, with their business, with their marriage, with their scandal. Did you hear? Oh, do I have a juicy story? So then you stop yourself. Not so easy, huh? It's not easy. When you're already in that social environment and everybody's swapping stories and, and you know that this one is really – it's so fascinating, so lucrative, so tempting, and you just shut the trap. You just – you don't. You don't say a word. So the average person thinks, okay, what did I do already? I, just, I, do, I know it was hard for me. I'm not disagreeing that it was hard for me, but what did I achieve If I went out and started a new charitable foundation and helped orphans from Rwanda, wow, look what I achieved. But uh, What did I do? I just just get my mouth shut. Or the person who is new to keeping the laws of kosher and says, my favorite thing in the world was X restaurant. And I walked past it. And I smelt the aroma of that one particular meal that I used to love so much. And and I didn't walk in, even though every part of me felt like... Just one more, just one more. And then and then I'll go back to being kosher. So who's going to go and brag about that? If you're going to get up in shul, bang on the table and say, ladies and gentlemen, I'd just like to tell you what happened. I had this incredible temptation this week. Didn't do it. Whoa, applause. Forget about it. The guy who dedicates the brocha, oh, now you're going to get an applause. That's something that we can all relate to and appreciate. So the teaching, it's a very powerful teaching, says that even when you just hold back, from something that is impulsive Something that is tempting Something that is inappropriate But you just feel so compelled to do it But you restrain yourself That launches a revelatory experience In all of the higher realms Right after to the top It's kind of godliness that is suddenly exposed That would never normally be there And you did that You did that With your so-called Or what you believe to be Small decision what you believe to be your minor action. You created this tsunami of spirituality in the world. Don't walk around being humble and saying, Ah, do you really think my decisions make a difference? Really? Me? I mean, maybe, maybe they make a difference to me. But they don't make a difference. Yeah, they do. And the Baal Shem Tov continues and he says that the angels literally fly down. This is based on a verse that King Solomon writes in the Song of Songs. The angels fly down, the souls in heaven fly down, and all they want is to have the opportunity to just briefly connect and touch and have a relationship with that person who just created that magnificent ripple effect in all the heavens. And that person's you. And, and the thing that you did is something that you'd shrug off, but that's only because you've got this misplaced humility, which we all have. The misplaced humility to say, I am one seven billionth of the human population. What kind of an impact could I make? I'll never be on the Time Magazine front page. I'll never be in the Guinness Book of Records. I'm not going to be on the Forbes 500 list. I'm not going to have my name emblazoned in a star on Hollywood Boulevard. It's not going to happen. So who, me? Yeah, exactly. You. That's why, if you go back, the Talmud tells us in Sanhedrin, nivra ha'adam That's why human, the first human being, was created single. Every other species of creature was created en masse. They were created as a whole group, except for the human, one human, to teach you. The Talmud says, "Any person who destroys one Jewish soul, it's like he destroyed the whole world." What does it mean to destroy a Jewish soul? Okay, somebody kills somebody. That's normally how it's translated. It's much more than that. If you don't allow your soul to feel its greatness, to impact the world, to go out there to make a difference, if you keep telling yourself that it's minor and it's not that important, it's like you're destroying the world. Like this man, this rabbi, who was really trying to be humble and say, so we can't, we can't stand up to the Roman Empire. We can't stop, can't put our finger into this hole in the dike just by getting rid of this one guy who's trying to be a rabble rouser. There's gonna be more problems to come. The Talmud says because of that humility, the temple was destroyed. And you know how Judaism works. Whatever is taught is always taught in both the negative and positive. Usually, one side is stated and the other is implied. So the stated message is, the man who was too humble to stand up and say, we can make a difference in this very dangerous scenario, that destroyed the temple. Well then the flip side, the unstated, the eluded message is, when you do stand up, when you do have that confidence, when you do have that pride in the possibility of my soul that Hashem invested in me, which means that it has incredible potential, when I recognize that the tools that I have are not tools of my making, they are the infinite tools of the infinite being called mitzvahs, called prayer, called Torah, that's my arsenal. When you stand up strong, then you rebuild the temple. It's that strange Psychological loop that we fall into that tries to diminish our capacity for impact. That's what destroys worlds. And the confidence if in the sense that, well, if God thought I was worthwhile putting onto this earth and God thought I was worthwhile endowing with various talents and insight and he gave me, he entrusted me with his mitzvahs and his Torah and so on, and therefore I can go out there and who knows what kind of an impact I can have, that's when you start to rebuild the temple. That's when you start to reintroduce godliness, holiness, meaning, goodness, healthy living into this world. So when we ask the question, humility? Humility is never to underestimate yourself. That's not humility. Humility is not being a doormat. Humility is not lying to yourself. Humility is not denying somebody's compliments. Oh, no, 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 not me. Humility is knowing who you are and realizing that what you have is a gift and therefore don't stop there and think, oh, I'm humble. No, I'm humble enough to step up to the plate. That's a unique kind of humility. If you've got a thought that you would like to share, I'd love to hear it. 34519 is the SMS line. You can telegram us, 0618951019. Tweets also on at FM. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Some really nice messages coming through. It's a pity that uh, we can't address them all with the time left. Mervyn, another SMS uh, following on, because Mervyn said earlier that Moses went to the arrogant pair, Dasan and Aviram, to try and make peace with him, but they refused. So here's the follow-up SMS that says, That was Moshe's trait. He called them to come to him since he was the leader. They refused, so he went to them. There's nothing greater than peace. And of course, that's a great illustration of humility, right? And Moshe said, I'll come to you. If you're not going to come to me, even though you're in the wrong, you're absolutely in the wrong. Still, he was willing to step down and go and try reconcile with these people. Himself. I think it's a very profound and powerful lesson for us to remember That humility is an incredibly important trait It's something that is vaulted and vaunted in Judaism It's something that we look up to, we try our best to achieve As I said in the beginning, the Rambam says it's the one area of personality where you can be an extremist You, can, you are allowed to be an extremist with humility But at the same time we should never think that humility just is an excuse not to do I am not that guy. I am not that powerful. That's antithetical to Judaism. There were people. Remember the story. You have, uh, uh, it manifests in various ways in the Torah, but remember the story, for example, of the spies, and they were told that they had the opportunity to go into Israel, conquer the land, and they came back and said, no, we, we actually don't think we can do it. What they were effectively saying is, misplaced humility. There's this unbelievable opportunity. There's this magnificent land to conquer, that has the potential to become the holiest spot on earth. Us? You think we can do it? They came back and they said, we looked in our own eyes like locusts. Small. Puny. That's how they saw themselves. And then what happens next is they say, For some strange reason, that's how everybody else saw us. I think this is a pertinent lesson. It's timeless, but it's specifically pertinent at this time in our Jewish history. When we walk around think, thinking, "Oh, I'm humble. I'm humble. I want to stay out of the limelight. I don't want to make any waves. Tell anybody that I'm Jewish. Wear my Judaism on my sleeve. Draw too much attention. Who knows? Maybe. What well, do you think? I'm going to make a difference? Yes, you make a difference. Absolutely. You stand up proudly as a Jewish person, and the rest of the world looks and says, "Aha." There we go. There's somebody who actually represents God. There's somebody who represents morality. There's somebody who represents all the good that that exists in this world. You walk around a little bit like, I'm not so sure, and I don't think, and I don't know, and maybe I should keep it quiet. Then exactly like that story of the spies, you see yourself as small, the world sees you as small. That's misplaced humility. So here's one way to look at it. We're compared specifically our generation, the generation that is called the generation just before Mashiach, to a midget standing on the shoulders of giants. So yes, I'm a midget. Fine. But that doesn't mean I'm disempowered. The misguided humility is to think, because I'm a midget, I don't have an impact. No, I'm on the shoulders of giants. I have a huge force behind me. I have a huge investment from God into me and into the mitzvahs that he gave me. I can literally change worlds. And that's what we're supposed to do. So thank you for all the interaction and messages. I hope that that's something we can all reflect on and possibly apply in our lives. And let's go out and change the world for the better. Turn it into this Garden of Eden that God originally intended for it to be. Have a wonderful Shabbos.